Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. They were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined in studio, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Will, hello. Tie still on, straight from the workplace. <laughs> you know, I haven't even rolled up your shirt sleeves after a long I day. Oh, I know. Uh, and I didn't roll them up during it either. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so uh, <coughs> tough to be back into work now as well. A few weeks study away, it was nice to always well it was it was nice to be it was nearly harder work kind of yeah take an annual leave to, to study is grim enough like it's a grim experience and I was just looking at what I've got left it's uh yeah it's not very nice but anyway look hopefully it's worth it in, in, in yeah. the end you're used to running out in Champions Cup finals now you're missing them to study and taking annual leave <laughs> to do so so it's quite a turnaround uh, yeah I know sad state of affairs will but uh, no I caught the games in the weekend uh so lots to discuss lots, lots to, discuss. to discuss yeah it's our second last podcast of the season yeah. We're almost two seasons into our podcast. It's been a, it's been a quite a journey. Sure has circuitous <laughs> enough, but uh, <laughs> we got there, baby, as they say. Uh, no, but look, it's uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, isn't it? So um, apt enough, I think. We'll get someone on good on next week. Yeah, we'll uh, finish with a bang. Just some more quality time with Luke and Will this week. Uh, yeah, dude, the, I've, look, they've been well, well enough well, received. Yeah, yeah we're, they don't completely hate us. Yeah, yet, so uh, fingers crossed. You know. Lens to do a job against Glasgow and we can get a big name <laughs> yeah, in next exactly. week exactly <laughs> because uh, it'll be hard to drag him off the piss it's a yeah, don't I go to ground otherwise we'll get someone I'm sure uh, yeah look it's been uh, been a lot of fun but um, yeah weekend's action was good yeah Lens um, and let's start with the the big ticket we start with that we go because I think there's more to discuss uh, I think the let's go Glasgow Ulster I mean what first we're starting with Glasgow I think Ulster. yeah starting a sour note and then finishing a good one okay fine no yeah, more fine. to discuss you, though. Yes, I think we won't do. stop talking about Leinster okay Ulster, fine we'll start with Glasgow Ulster so you're thinking Ulster going to Scotch tune the funny thing is I actually had a I was actually you know, I actually think they could do a job here. Like, Ulster have been playing well. I've been up in Kingspan a couple of times. I was impressed with them. Yeah. Um, but what you don't want to do in Scotstoun, concede a try in the first couple of minutes because they're so good at home. If they, if you get, get a sniff, they and they, like, they concede a try two minutes in, their tackling was was woeful. Oh God, it was so like. And you know when you when you looked at what they did in the Aviva, 
Um, it just makes it all the more disappointing, I think. That yeah, because they, they fronted really up show. so well defensively in the Aviva, and it was just non-existent. It was what he put it down to. It was bizarre how know, how know. poor they were. Well, I just thought I really thought that with uh, Roy Best kind of retiring, obviously at the end of the season. Darren Cave as well. You know, sometimes those things are really galvanizing for 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 a team, especially away from home. And I really felt I had a I had a feeling that they were going to do it. So it just shows you don't don't trust your gut, Luke. <laughs> don't trust the gut. So yeah, look, it was disappointing. And I think, as you said, a bad start in 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 Scotstoun is not ideal because they it's you're different. You're playing a different pitch as well. I think with the personnel they have. Um, you know, it was always going to be a big challenge over there, but geez, they, like they've showed they're more than capable of putting in a big performance away from home. Now, I know the Aviva isn't necessarily, it's not miles from home and loads of them are comfortable there, but Jesus, it was really disappointing. And to put like that kind of scoreline is embarrassing. Yeah, like I, I think from an Ulster perspective, the, you know, the only two games they haven't delivered in, in the last like three or four months were two get away games to Glasgow. Like, the, I think the only two games they've lost, as far as I know, besides that Leinster game in the last period, has been away to Glasgow, where they do have a terrible record like so a lot of the Irish teams do have a poor record there naturally because Glasgow are so strong at home but I just I just expected so much more from them they, they were they were so good the weekend before and like they were 14-0 down after about 10 minutes they had a couple of opportunities their line-out malfunctioned and like just defensively they were just so poor as well I don't know it, it, it was like I don't think it, it washes away they've had a very very good season but just to, to, you know, to concede 50 yeah are they not back in the same place they were you mean like like everyone was like they've made progress, but they like are they? they I think progress? they have made progress because. I, sorry, I, I'm just asking you the question. Yeah, sorry, I, just I, 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 I think they have because, you know, to get to a semi final, you know, is a good achievement. Like to, to, I know they they didn't get out of their group last year. They got out of their group this year. They had a tough group. They had Racing, Leicester, and Scarlets, and that performance against Leinster. I know they lost, but like they were one Stockdale Howler away from taking one of the all time away day upsets. You know, why do those things happen to them, Will? What the Stockdale? Yeah, like they just they or the you know the 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 final they did a brilliant they did, they had a brilliant team that time against Leinster in the final but they got absolutely smashed in the Honeycomb final that cha- the sorry yeah it was the Honeycomb final then um, well it would be more why have them been able to get over the line it'd be more the Pro fourteen finals mm-hmm. and semi finals subsequent to that because like that was the kind of start of that Ulster team Paddy Jackson I think was twenty at the time or twenty one in that final. Um, you know, I don't yeah, know. But Johnny Sexton comes on the scene out of nowhere in, in two thousand and nine. Like, I'm not sure that's necessarily an excuse. Like, and it's not just one player either. It's like, like there was certainly not down to Paddy Jackson. Like, there no, was I'm a not I'm saying like thing, when you, yeah. but when you, he, he was a young playmaker then. Yeah. I think, but I think the, the the few years previous, I remember, I think it was 2013-14, They were nine nil up. It was Matt O'Connor's first year. Leinster won the Pro but they were nine nil up with the RDS. They were all over Leinster. Leinster like turned them over. On their own line, Leinster's own line, like three times, and also could have killed the game. And then Madigan, I think, scored a late try to win the game. That was one where an opportunity really got away. Uh, why haven't they got over the line? I know, sorry, I, we're in a new phase now. They're rebuilding. Yeah, they're rebuilding. I get that, but why? Well, I suppose well, I say. Uh, why do you think? But, but, like, because your Leinster are so strong. Like you know, Munster. You look at Munster as well. Like Munster are, are getting questioned quite a lot as well, and we can move on to them later on in the podcast. But like you have to remember that like they're up against arguably the best team or the second best team in Europe every single season. So anything they have to win is hard earned in domestically and obviously in Europe with, with the French and the English teams as well. And when you look at it, like Ulster came up against uh, Leinster in a final in the RDS. The only reason that wasn't played in Kingspan was because it was getting done up. Ulster had home advantage and they had to play it in the RDS. So they they seeded home advantage for a final that they could have potentially won if they actually if their stadium wasn't being done up at the time. Yeah, I'm not sure. I just don't buy it. Like, I just don't. I just. I'm. It's so disappointing. Every year, I think they're going to be. Obviously, when I was playing, I didn't feel this way. But obviously, subsequently, I'm like, 
why haven't they delivered? Like, why is there a big moment? Why does, why does their best player drop the ball over the line in, the, in like when he's done something unbelievable? Like, why do they squander a nine point lead when they're playing better? Why, 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 why? It's all. I just don't understand that. I don't know what's going on up there. Like, I, I still feel like there's a big issue up there with just the finer details. I don't know why that is, but it just that's my gut feeling on it. Like, I, and I feel very similar about Munster as well. I feel like there's something. There's something just off that they haven't. Something hasn't hasn't clicked for them. Well, I think and I feel like Ulster are in that and they're in that place. Uh, with well, I think there's no coincidence that both teams have had huge upheaval behind the scenes in terms of their coaching staffs. Like both of them have gone through head coach after head coach. Like Ulster went from you know Brian McLaughlin who was ousted after I think the, the season they got to that final against Leinster. They, they decided to move him into a different role because they wanted a bigger name. They brought in Mark Anscombe. He was dispensed with. Neil Doak was the one-year stopgap while Les Kiss was working with Ireland. And Les Kiss came in late after the World Cup and that never really got going. Then they brought in John O'Gibbs as well mm. and then he effed off after a season to go to La Rochelle. And now they have Don McFarlane in who didn't even get, I don't think, a full preseason with them last year. Yeah. So, like, that shows how truncated their, their preparation has been behind the scenes because they've had a fairly settled squad and they've recruited pretty well over the years and they've gotten in some good players. Like in Ruben Pienaar, they had Charles Pieto. He's yeah. really the best back in the league for a couple of seasons. Mm. They've a really, you know, they've some good young, or they're not maybe that young anymore, but like Luke Marshall McCluskey, these are quality backs, but I just think behind the scenes in terms of our coaching staff, it's that just, hasn't helped. That hasn't helped. I, I, can, agree, I can agree with that because I, I just look at it, I, I also feel as well for quite a long time that they've, since John Afoa, like they haven't really had a really top class front row. I really believe that. I believe that they haven't had, like, you know, you could argue about the loose head prop at that point, but I think for, you know, tight head and, you know, we've got an international hooker there um, as well. Like, that was the last time I really saw a top. And I just wonder about the front five. I haven't seen them really replace Muller. Um, you know, Henderson, just he seems to be a guy who's kind of injury prone as well. Um, he just had a, a lot of bad luck. Um, I always feel that the pack is uh, what. What I do like is it looks like they've tried to rectify that. It looks like they've McFarlane has obviously realised that. Yeah, look, get in Charles Piatel, get in you know Ruan Pinar, but really the real like where where Maybe do you beef? Well, look at Saracens. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, their their backline's good. It is very good, but really where the quality lies is in the pack. And I think you look at that Toulon team that was brilliant. I know you don't rate them. Well. <laughs> they had a good pack. Like, they had that. an incredible yeah. pack. You look at the Leinster pack for the last 10 years has been outstanding. Like it really has been. Like you couldn't name one player in any of those starting teams that you were thinking, Jesus, that guy doesn't belong at the level. Like he, like they were all, all those people were outstanding at that level. Like even Leo Cullen, who didn't have, doesn't have a huge amount of caps, like what a leader. And you could argue he should have got way more caps realistically. Um, so I remember one time against France, he was brought on for one. Oh, scrum. he was unbelievable. He was brought on for one scrum. But, against oh, sorry, France. we're thinking about different things. I remember there was one who played. He was one that, he was like the best player on the pitch, nearly um, over in Paris, I think. And he didn't get. He got dropped the next game. It was for whatever reason it didn't fit the the eye of the coach at the time. But like that's what that's what it's built on. Look at Exeter, how they've you know progressed along. Yes, their backline's good. Yes, they have some quality there. Yes, Saracens have quality there. But really, the foundations are built on the pack. Um, and I think every great team is built there and I feel like Ulster have kind of got that they've got that wrong and I feel like they're just trying to correct it so sorry the reason I was asking you all the but questions because I'm actually just interested yeah, but I, I, think, feel like, I think they are correcting like you know yeah. they've been unlucky with Marty Moore picking up so many injuries this season yeah. like they're bringing in Jack McGrath Eric O'Sullivan has emerged as a really good loose head prop as well I think you know Kieran Treadwell has gotten better as the season gone on he's a player that I think people want more from because he has been in around the Ireland camp and when you're in around the Ireland camp and picking up caps here and there you're expected to deliver a certain level of performance 
performance that maybe he hasn't. But he was very good against Leinster. Yeah, I was going to say I thought in in this last little period. Glasgow game aside where everything kind of came mm. apart they, he's been very good and they've been very good and then the back row could see is an animal Jordy yeah. Murphy I think is really grown as he's a, a top quality footballer. I think he's yeah, grown yeah, as a yeah. player getting yeah. that extra bit of responsibility as well so yeah. I actually think looking ahead to next season you know it's bright from the, as I said bringing in McGrath you know they're bringing in another back from the Highlanders who looks like a tidy player so yeah. I think the tools are there for them to kick on. It's just disappointing to like to, to concede fifty in a semi final. Fifty is embarrassing. Like, yeah, and they really probably could have more. Uh, they really need to have a look at themselves. <coughs> that was really bad. Um, so disappointing. That was disappointing to start off the weekend. Um, Some silky skills from Glasgow, though. You know, I was. But if you're allowed to do it, everyone looks great, and it's a fast pitch. Like everyone knows, it's a fast pitch. Like, but. You just can't allow them to do that in well, the You look at when, when Leinster went there last year to Scotch and they, they thumped them, like, you know, Leinster thumped them. They did, they in, just squeezed them, yeah. squashed That's the thing, like, two tries from Healy in close quarters. And like, that's, yeah. remember off the, the driving line, it's yeah, yeah, Heineken yeah. Cup, yeah, like, they really squashed them over there, like, and that's that's the way to play them up there. So, um, that's not to take away anything from Glasgow. I think they're going to be a formidable challenge. They were brilliant in the RDS against Leinster, um, you know, a couple of a couple of weeks ago at this stage now. But um, they're quality outfit and they've got lots of threat behind the scrum. And, and and they showed that if you don't stymie them, if you don't put pressure on them, that they'll punish you. They have the tools to do that, and they've they the tools to put a score on you. So Leinster will have to be uh, up for the fight. They'll have to be really, really on their uh, on their A game. Um, I just feel like they're a different team to Ulster currently. I think they've more metal in them. I think they've got more in the pack to deal with them. I think it's actually more on whether Glasgow can stymie the Leinster pack. I think that's more the dynamic this week, whereas last week you're kind of saying, ah, like Ulster really need to go and they need to play above themselves, whereas I do think Glasgow need to play slightly above themselves. I think it's an even enough matchup, but I still think if everyone fires, I, I feel like Leinster should have a slight edge. But, geez, it's going to be a tight one. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll look back to the last weekend as well, Leinster Munster. Mm-hmm. Um, comprehensive enough in the end, you know, to fifteen point win. Yeah. Like, what did you make of the game? There's been a lot of talk about the direction Munster are in, and we'll get to that in a second. But just your overall impression of how the game unfolded, because there were periods where Munster in the first half in particular looked like they were on top, but then by the end of the game, for most of the second half, Leinster were were fairly comfortable. Yeah, they were, and the strength of the Leinster bench, I think, really told as well. Um, I thought Munster were were I actually thought they gave the, they gave a good account of themselves for 60 minutes, but they're they're beyond giving accounts of themselves at this stage. I think, um, yeah, I thought what, what was interesting was some of the behaviour at the end by um, Haley. Like, that was really poor. Uh, you just stick what out was there. This? I didn't... He walked off the pitch early, you know. Um, this kind of stuff is, like, it's, it's kind of endemic of something that is in there in Munster. I still feel like there was a there's a bit of a throwback element to them where they're trying to they're caught between two schools where they're trying to be cute, trying to get, you know, an extra penalty here, trying to you know, just something like that. A few bits like that in their game that they just always end up conceding more penalties than there's ill discipline the team as there is in Europe. There is something there that they need to correct. They I'm sorry, they're just a little bit loose. Like they and it punish them because Every time I've, I play against Munster, or I've played against Munster in the second half of my career, since the Joe Schmidt kind of era, when we really realised that, look, you can get an edge in a team if you're better, you know, if your discipline is better. Like, yeah, they might they might nick a penalty or two that the referee doesn't see, but really, over the course of a game and over the course of a season, 
you just end up being better when you don't try those things. You know, if you can get that out of your game. So there's something there they need to they need to figure out. I think there's something. I thought they actually looked they attacked an awful lot better. I thought some of their shape was really really good in the first half, but that kind of it fell kind away. Of, in yeah, the I was going to say half. in the second yeah. half it, it did fall away big time. Yeah. I and I thought Leinster were very good there as well. Now I thought they got away with a bit as well. I thought Leinster looked offside quite a few times. A particular one by Gary Ringrose, I think on Joey Carberry hit him. There wasn't like the the linesmen are just. They're a disgrace. Oh, we don't have to go over. The I'm not going over again, Will. But it is. They were yeah. like they were really bad. Like yeah. they're ruining the game. Like you look at the Saracens game. Like they were offside all day. And I actually thought Len- like Leinster were offside quite a bit in the weekend. Now look, you're going to keep doing it if the referee's not pinging you or the linesman or he's not getting any support from his linesman. But um, I thought that was a big difference for Leinster. I thought their their line speed was excellent. I thought their tackle technique was very good. I thought they just played on the edge. Um, without you know they were they were fairly disciplined for large portions of the game. Um, it looks like Robbie Henshaw makes a big difference. Josh van der Fleer makes a big difference. He was so good. It's like, because he keeps coming forward when he's in those areas, when he's in those tight areas, and he just rarely misses a tackle. Because even if you come forward and you don't make a massive hit, but you still make a hit behind the gain line, it makes a massive difference. Because guys don't have to come back to come forward again. Um, and you can just keep coming forward. It's really, really oppressive and really difficult. You saw Joey Carby. How many times did he have to hold one close to the line because Leinster had got an offensive hit in the one before. They'd made no, they'd got no momentum. And he just couldn't play, mate. He was. He just, I, I felt when I was when I was watching him pass, I just felt, oh, like that's just claustrophobic. Like he he's caught it, and he's just got to play whatever he sees or whoever's presenting the option because there's just there's so much pressure on him. And I felt like that way for Johnny Sexton the week before. Um. So yeah, look, there were just a few of my thoughts on it. I thought that the Leinster defence was a big key. I thought Munsters kind of weren't able to impose themselves on the game much in the second half. And any time they did get in good areas, they kind of coughed up the ball fairly easily, I thought. What do you think about the kind of the big picture question people are asking about Munster now about like, you know, this is the second year in a row they've lost in back you know, semi-finals in both competitions and the year before that they lost in the semi of, of Europe and got to the final of the Pro 14 and lost that as well. So I think since they last won... Uh, the league in 2011, they've lost two finals and nine semi-finals across the two tournaments. Like that's a lot of of near misses. And you know, I look I look through the team and, and people are talking about the talent. Like the, the talent, there's a lot of talent there. Like you, so, for instance, like Leinster won the game by a point last year, and the team from the team that lost that game, they've lost Zebo, Sammy Arnold, JJ Hanrahan, James Crown, Reese Marshall, Billy Holland, and Jack O'Donoghue. They all started last year. The guys who started this year, Mike Haley, Chris Farrell, Joey Carberry, Dave Kilcoyne, Niall Scannell, Ty Byrne, and Arno Bota. So you could definitely argue they've actually had they had a better team on the pitch, bar Simon Zebo missing. Yeah. Like, you know, bringing in Carberry, bringing in Ploy Byrne, they're two of the best player, you know, form players in Europe that they got in. So the talent on show is there. So, yeah. but the result was was pretty much the same. You know, they they were beaten. You know, even way more comprehensively this yeah. time. Yeah, it was disappointing for them. You know, and I think like I actually thought they were going to really put it up to Leinster in the RDS. I, I really felt like it was the, like Leinster were there for the taking. I thought that they'd had a big week against Saracens. I thought they might be tired. I thought there might be a little bit of a come down, and that they might if they could edge into a lead at the start of the game. Um, you know, because I thought Leinster might be flat and might not have enough juice really to come back into the game. So. It was disappointing for them, and I, I agree with you. I don't know if they've. I, I don't. I, I don't see them having, um, you know, gone gone backwards in terms of personnel. But yeah, I, what I thing. did see was them going backwards in terms of performance. Um, and they'd be disappointed. Like I felt, I was abs- I was just gutted for Peter O'Mahony doing his interview after the game. So how many of these things has he done? And like he was unbelievable. Like some of the some of the, his play throughout the whole game, I thought was just outstanding. Um, and you just have to feel for the likes of him who's been in there, Conor Murray, guys like that who are top quality. Who've been around the setup? Keith Earls, I thought was brilliant at every opportunity. Any opportunity, Chris Farrell, very good as well. Chris Farrell was good. He was very good. Um, 
But yeah, geez, they were they were disappointing. I thought defensively at key points, like they've talked about Nina Bar, but I don't see them have, as having improved in that area. I really don't. I thought well, he that, left with Erasmus. Like they have JP Ferreira. Oh, sorry, JP, excuse yeah. me. Sorry, sorry. They talk about Ferreira being a bit of a guru. Excuse me, my apologies. Uh, but Ferreira being a bit of a, a, guru, a guru, and I, I just don't see it. I don't. I don't agree with that. Ah, but I they had think. they had the best defensive record in the Champions Cup up until the Saracens game. So yeah, but did they really like? I, I don't know. They got fairly. You know, they got beaten. You know, fairly comprehensively. I thought in that one, um, and I didn't think they really were able to impose themselves in any way. Um, on um, on Leinster and defensive, like there there was points where they were good, but for the large, like for that try, like that was awful defense, like really bad. Like for three props to be, like three props to be out playing, or two props and a and a and a, and a hooker, albeit Sean Crown is a bit of a freak, and the other two are you know I know top quality players, but they were two backs that were defending that. Uh, so that was really poor and even for Sean Cronin to have stepped inside like just like the fundamentals of the game were poor there for them so they talk about him being a bit of a guru I don't see any evidence to to support that statement um, and I think they need to improve in that area I think the discipline was poor at key points of the game and that for whatever reason they just haven't recognised those moments in the game where they just need to hang on to it do you know, they always feel like there's, I feel like guys were just trying to run, you know, they were trying to make something happen all the time at points where you're just saying, just, just retain it. There's a good chance to answer give away a penalty or you can, you know, if you hang on to the ball here, not, there's not much that's going to go wrong for you here. You know, that kind of way. Um, Do you think they're missing kind of a, a Stuart Lancaster equivalent? Like Leinster, when, before he came in, were struggling a bit. Like, you yeah. know, they had a few near misses themselves. They'd missed out on a qualification to the knockout stages in Europe. I, I'm wondering, you know, with, with Jones and Flannery leaving, there is a gap to bring someone in. Do you think a figure like that, like who could come in? And I think they're missing one more. I think Mike Haley was a bad, was a bad piece of, uh, uh, was a bad signing. I don't, I, I, I know, and I'm sure he's a lovely guy and all that. It's really not personal, but I don't think he's that good. Mm. Uh, I think he's fairly average, actually, if I'm being honest. I like some of his tackling. He was brave at times, made some good tackles, but the last one against Lowe was just pathetic. Like, you just can't, like how he doesn't have his left hand up to block the the defend. When you're, when you look, you have to have looked at James Lowe during the week and said, that guy's got a huge right arm fend. Like, and how you don't have your left hand high when he's running to your right hand shoulder. How you don't keep your feet alive because you know he's a heavy guy, big guy, he can bump you off. As poor to me, and then I just haven't seen any flair from an attack. I don't see them having replaced a Zebo or a Doug Howlett or you know whoever. There's no support there. I don't think for the likes of like I think Conway's a good player, but I think Earls looks like he's the only guy who can really you know he and I, and I think as well the point I'm making is that I think like Farrell can get over the gain line for you when it's really squeezed against a good defense. Like he looks he looked really good in the weekend. I thought in a big game. But like Le- Leinster have, they have Gary Ringrose, they have, you know, um, Jordan Larmer can kind of pick a lock. He's a bit like a Conway. I think I'd put them kind of on similar, kind of on par with each other. But James Oak can, he can run through you if he needs to. You know, like Leinster have a few guys who are like that. If they're stuck, they can run over the top of you. So um, that was, I think, a bit of a different point of difference for them was that like Earls, he's like brilliant and he was a real handful, but they need one other guy. They're just one guy and ha- and Haley was that guy to replace the Zebo character mm-hmm. um, and they haven't done that. They haven't done that well. So that makes a big difference because like if you look at Leinster, there was times in that game like he was kind of key in lots of the big plays for them and he kind of was the differentiator because there was times he just ran through someone or he, you know, he might have, you know, he could have run around someone but he put someone in a hole. He was just a brilliant player and I think they've missed someone like that. I think they... 
I think the team misses just one other person to get them over the gain line from the backs to take a bit of pressure off the guys in the forwards because they have the guys in the forwards to be like Kilcoin getting over the gain line for you outstanding Peter O'Mahony's going to get over a gain line for you CJ Stanner's going to get over a gain line for you at this level um, Tyke Byrne like they have enough they have enough guys there they have enough weapons in the pack they're missing one more in the back line for me if I was looking at that thing I'd be saying to myself what happened? Why couldn't we build on when Chris Farrell got I know, got a gain line? Why couldn't we get one more? Um, and that looked like something that was lacking to me. And you don't think that is like a, a, a better attacking structure or shape from shape a coach? Looked good yeah, to me. Okay. The shape looked good at times. Like They got in good positions. Uh, they just couldn't finish. And I thought it looked like their forwards had to take one more extra phase because it wasn't perfect to, to go around them. Like if Chris Farrell's not going to go, like not going to get you a gain line when it's one-on-one or when, when, you, when they're marked up with you, like are Munster really going to have enough guys? If like if Keith Rose doesn't beat you with footwork or Andrew Conway doesn't beat you with footwork, where does the threat come from? Mm. That that'd be my view. I look at I look at Leinster and I say, Jesus! Like the more times they get James Old touching the ball, the more time like Robbie Hench is going to run over the top of someone if he doesn't. Gary Ringrose as well as a guy who's just pure dangerous. Um, so I, I just thought that was a point of difference. It one or two other guys that could get them over um, a gain line at an hour. And, and to change tack slightly, uh, one of the interesting talking points going into the game was CJ Standard moved to the seven jersey. Um, you know, didn't really have an impact at the breakdown, and I think over the last couple of weeks. You know, with the performance of Jack Cohn and how well he's been playing, standard position in the Ireland team, probably under a bit of threat. Joe won't, Joe's just so conservative as a selector, I think. I, d- I don't think he will pick uh, outside CJ. And CJ's been very loyal and he's been good. Um, Jack Cohn, I, I, look, I've been talking about him for a long time. I think he's been friend a of the show. friend of the show. Um, I think he's excellent. I think he's got lovely skills. I think he could be just what Joe needs. Um... I think I liked the I, I liked playing CJ there. I thought it looked like it was just some just just try it out. Like you see how it works. Like he was very good. At some of his some of his um some of his carrying was excellent. I thought he still made an impact on the game. He just he's just not a groundhog. So look, it depends what team you're playing. I think against a really top class team, it looked like you're probably picking Josh van der Flyer at the moment or van der Fleer, excuse me. So because um, he was just brilliant. Like he was all over the ball. His tackling was just doesn't miss a tackle. His carrying was actually really good. It's really improved since he came back from his last injury. It looks like he's put on an extra kilo or two while maintaining that little bit of kind of um, that little bit of power that, that he maybe I hadn't seen before. Uh, so he looks really good and he looks like he could be a timely recovery for him given Dan Levy's out. So that was positive, and looks like he could bring that little bit of balance, maybe. Um, and himself and Shawnee, like it's just like it looks like they've got some options now, which is nice to see. Because mm. um, I suppose towards the end of the Six Nations, we were wondering, Jesus, like I mean, who, like like they literally have those. They have to pick those three guys, bar maybe Jack Cohen coming in. So um, it looks like they've got a bit of variety to, to select from. So whether they do or whether they actually use that in the end, I don't know, but. Um, yeah, um, one interesting thing around the game as well, from a Leinster perspective, was Ross Byrne getting the start because Sexton was fit. He was on the yeah. bench because you know last year Ross Byrne played, but Sexton wasn't in the twenty-three at all. So you know we take it that maybe he had a little bit of a niggle and couldn't play the game. This was one of the first times, if not the only time, I can remember that Byrne started the game where Sexton was in the squad. And obviously Leo after the game talked about he wasn't happy with how it was framed. Like he's saying that Johnny wasn't dropped, that Ross was you know he was you know, Sexton was maybe being rested slightly. But uh, what did you make of the, that decision to pick him? And, and I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was a really ballsy move. And the, the guy is actually brilliant. I'm sorry, he's so underrated. He's a really, really good rugby player. And he got his, did he get five out of five kicks, I think? I think yeah, he did. I don't think yeah, he no, like Saxon missed one. He had that yeah, end. but in fairness, no, look, I, we can't look. Johnny's definitely ahead of him, but I'm telling you, the gap's close. That guy's a good player, and everyone, everyone's talking about Jack Hardy. Like he's a better player than Jack Hardy. I'm telling you, he is. Um, 
and he's uh, he's a big game player. He's got a big head and his shoulders. Like he's just. He's a guy who I think is uh, he's ready-made replacement for Johnny Sexton. He still doesn't get enough of the big games together with that centre partnership, so it doesn't really flow as well as it should. But I think that will flow. I think it looks like they've got a succession plan in there already. I think Lencer looks like they've really they're they're managing that really really well. I like the Jordan Larmer at fullback as well, a big game. Um, you know, I thought he was mixed. I think he still think he's trying too much and he's coming kind of going backwards and forwards and he's not passing. One the ball. step too many. He's not passing. As a fullback, you need to release your wingers. You need to release them, and you need to be able to pass under pressure and put James Lowe and put Dave Carney into space. It's such a key component to the game because most if you have a good if you get two good passes if you get a good pass from nine good pass from ten. That 15 or that second centre are going to be under pressure. Gary Ringrose and uh, Jordan Larmer or Rob Carney are not passing enough yet. They're not. There's there's another level to them. If they can get that passing into the game, I think, and bring other people into the game, I think it brings Leinster and Ireland onto the next level. So um, I think if they do that, that's a key That's a key thing for both those teams. So uh, I'd, like, I'd like to see that. I still think that's part of Jordan's game where he's just looking for his own options all the time. Uh, and he's looking for the magic one. Now, it works out brilliantly at times. When it's on, I always feel like, and I was kind of that player myself with good footwork. It's when it, Sometimes the temptation is to always be looking, but I'm telling you, you'll feel it when it's on. Yeah, from your own perspective, because, yeah, as you say, you had similar footwork. Did you find early in your career you were similar that you, you just really wanted to beat players? And did it take a bit yeah. of time to learn that? Or, or, or? Does it takes a long time now. I didn't get. I was. I was a bit like Jordan, where I was kind of switched to a lot of different positions, and didn't really get any continuity. Um, and that's a challenge. That's a real big challenge because you have to find your timing in different roles. Um, you know, you have to get picked in one spot. Like I, I, I think he's he'll find his feet there. I think he'll be a brilliant player there. He's a nice kicking game as well, which probably hasn't been talked about. But I just feel like the passing element of the game, because it'll open up one-on-one opportunities for him, because people will have to respect him more, uh, and they'll have to respect that. And that's what he needs. He needs ones. He needs one-on-ones. That's what he needs. Two, uh, like when you're playing top-class internationals or top-class teams, beating two guys is really, really hard to do all the time. You'll learn that. Um, I feel like he still hasn't really appreciated just getting the good gain lines, beating one guy and boom, like taking a tackle in a good position, getting a good roll, a good fight back, and getting quick ball. That's a big advantage for you if you can get one guy who can beat someone. Um, Oh, every now and then you might be two, but really one is a big ask at the international level. If you can do that, that's a real asset for your team. Um, he hasn't appreciated that. He's still trying to beat two or three. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I think it's all ahead of him. I'm so excited about about watching him all the time. I think his defence is still an issue when he's on the wing. You can get, kind of hide at a fullback at times. Um, he needs to get that sorted out. He needs to get his thinking. He's a bit muddled at times. He's a bit panicked. He's making decisions too early. Um, I think his communication skills on the inside look like they could be better to me. It looks like people are still kind of looking when he's made a decision, going, what? like we were in a perfect position. Like, how are you reading that wrong? Particularly for the Saracens try last week. And I think particularly for the, the, the try against, uh, they conceded against England off the set play on the scrum in the Six Nations. It was a very poor defence. So, He's a bit to learn this game, but I'm just so excited for him. I think it's all ahead of him. And if he has an open mind, if he's willing to learn, if he can relax in games and have patience, he's well able to do all the skills. We've seen that. So I think it's it was that was a great decision to see him in a big game playing against Munster on the pitch. Just to go back to the, the burn sexton dynamic as well there that you mm. mentioned, do you think that's a good succession plan in place? Mm. Uh, like do you think that'll be will that be communicated to the two lads or to Johnny even about like the thinking there, or, or will it just be like this week you're not playing, or will it be will Leo 
Well, Leo kind of informed about the big picture here, as in. I think he's the team captain, so that look, he'll be in. He'll be. I, I think the line. It's very important to have the lines of communication open with your senior. See, as much as I was never one of those players, <laughs> and it hurt me when I was you like, that the guy's playing shite or that guy's not yeah. playing well, but he's still getting. He's going to get picked for the big games because he's one of the lieutenants. I can see the value in it. You have to have your people. You just go. Those people, I can trust those people. I know in the big games they'll be good, but I also know I can trust them to deliver key messages to the team. Um, and at times you just have to say, well, I'm picking that guy because for, for that reason, because he's one of my lieutenants. So um, part of me always felt when I was one of those players, when you weren't in the senior kind of player group or whatever, that you, uh, you're kind of saying, I'm playing better than that guy. He's shite, like he's not playing well. Like how is he still getting picked? But now that I'm out of it and I'm not, I don't have any skin in the game. You have to have your lieutenants. So, uh, I think they should. Could they, you know, be a mistake not to not to be keeping Johnny in the loop and saying, "Listen, we'd love to get John. We'd love to get Roscoe go. We also think he's a very good player, um, but we know you're our number one guy. Um, so I think it's a good thing to communicate those things to guys. And just on Leo Cullen, like it's interesting to see how he's developed in the role over the last couple of years. Because yeah. obviously he started off kind of getting in on short notice after Matt O'Connor uh, left, and then there was a year where it was a tough year for Leinster. Lancaster comes in things start to improve and now I just look at him and he just seems so comfortable in the role like when he's dealing with the media and his team selections I think they get it right as you say it's a tough job to rotate keep people happy mm. I think he gets it right quite often and he just seems very comfortable in the role like for, you know him very well you yeah. played with him but when you watch him now kind of operate what do you think? I've just been so impressed with him and he's you know he gets no credit for it like he, and, he, and, he, and he never looks like he's got that chip on his shoulder about it either he doesn't really care as long as the team's doing well it's such, such a good sign you know I think he adds a huge amount of value behind the scenes that people probably don't realise. I think he's in what, a, what well. I think he's say? a really calm guy. He's a really bright guy, Leo, as well. I think he 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 can articulate his points particularly well as well. It's a real skill for him. Always was as a player too. Um, also, you see the Leinster lineout. Like, I mean, that Munster lineout's been brilliant. Like that, they're they're a really formidable defensive lineout. I thought they performed very well for large periods. And I think it's no surprise that under him, you look at how good Sean Cronin is as well. Like that's particularly telling. I think is that his stats for Leinster in the lineout are very very strong. They're very very good. Whereas in the Ireland camp, you know, and I think that's probably down to player management as well. I think he does that really really well because that's a big challenge. He knows he's very friendly with lots of these guys. You know, so that was a big challenge. I'm sure for him moving in. Um, to that to that leadership role so I think he's made for it I think he's always been a captain every team he's played on he's been a captain I think he showed that as well as a, as a as a coach so far in his budding career because that would have been a really challenging year but what also people are like it looks it looks to me like Stuart Lancaster's got all the credit for it and, and I'm sure he's had a huge influence I'm not taking anything away from him either but you have to remember to get that kind of quality in and to be comfortable getting someone in like Stuart Lancaster like you have to also first recognize that that's someone you'd like to work with, but also you have to be comfortable in saying, "I think I I really like. I think I might learn something from this guy, or, um, you know, I think you know he could bring the whole group on." You have to be comfortable enough in your own skin to do that, and that's a big thing. Because not, it was not as if it was an obvious appointment. Like when Lancaster was announced, like people were like, "What the f?" You know, where, where is this coming from? Like this guy was a director of rugby with England. Like why would we want their director of rugby to be our head coach? Or, you yeah, know? but I think the big thing with him at the time was that he never actually wanted that role. He wanted to be coaching the team, and he felt like that was yeah. a big, that was a disappointment for him. Is True, that, that but for Colin to recognise that, yeah. like you know, it's that wasn't. You know, well, they all talked to him, so they all met him, and I know the senior group, player group met yeah. him, and they just were really impressed with some of his ideas, and they thought he'd be a really good fit, his personality, because I always felt he was ne not necessarily such a great fit for England, like, he's a humble guy, you know the way, like, usually England are kind of brash, they're outspoken, they're confident all the time, whereas mm -hmm. he was always almost like in the Irish, you know, <laughs> he always felt like an Irish coach to me, he was always really respectful of the opposition, um, you know, you can tell he's kind of a typical northern English guy, like, just real down to earth, um, 
and I always felt like he'd be a really good fit. So like I actually thought he was going to get the Irish job. You know, you've heard me talk about that yeah. loads of times where I thought he'd actually get the Irish job. As soon as he got the job for Leinster, I was like, oh, I think he's going to be a brilliant employment appointment and I think he could get the Irish job. It's, yeah. it's, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Obviously, he stayed on with Leinster. He must really, really enjoy it there, you know. So That's um, a perfect job for him, isn't it? Like, you I know, think it is. Yeah. I think it is. And he seems to like, Dublin's a great place to live as well. And the team is like, he's got lots of young talent. If, as he says, the coaching is what really appeals to him, like, like you couldn't be in a better place. There's so much young talent coming through there. Uh, that you can really get your hands on and mould, and that must be so exciting for him because they're in they're in all the finals all the time as well since he's arrived in. So, um, yeah, he's been a brilliant addition. But again, you'd have to you'd have to give the credit to 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 Leo because Leo mm. would have been, I think Leo would have been searching for that. He would have been saying to McDawson, "We need to find someone." to complement the, the coaching staff that we have. And we have some good guys. You look at John Forward going on to the Irish team, um, you know, all these kind of guys. You could tell the talent was there in the coaching staff as well as the playing group. Um, they just probably needed one more person just to add something else to the mix. And probably a little bit of experience as well. I think that was probably a key thing as well, a key ingredient. Um, so all, all credit to Leo Cullen. I think I've, I've just been so impressed with how he's handled that as well. So just before we wrap up, a thing I wanted to talk to you about because I saw today Leinster released a list of like you know the players they'd signed up for next season, like twenty one players and the players who are departing. And uh, Rob Carney actually wasn't on either list, so obviously it means he's still in negotiations w- over a possible deal or, or what have you. And I just wanted to talk to you about the kind of that process in general of contract negotiations and how I guess difficult it can be because you know you have some players who are on a national contract, some players who are on a provincial contract. Like, what's that like when, when you're a player? Like, and you obviously want to be on a national contract that pays more. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like how does that conversation go? Like, who's making that decision? Like, I, I, I as a player, are you saying here I deserve a national contract? And they're like, no, we think you're a provincial player. Or, or how does that go? Well, I think ultimately it'll be made by the people offering the contract um, as to what kind of contract they feel like you deserve based on how often you train, how often you play, um, you know, what they feel like in terms of succession planning. Are they are they well stacked? Do they feel like it's an opportunity to give someone uh, a go in a jersey for the next cycle? Do, you feel, do they feel like you can make it through the next cycle um, from their perspective? And then from the player perspective, it's whether you've got the desire to go on, whether you feel like your body's behaving well, whether you feel like you're playing well. Um, and it's interesting like I think Rob particularly Rob seems to think he's still playing very well um, so that'll be a difficult decision for him is whether he moves away uh, whether there's actually options on the table for him um, I mean I think he'd be a really valuable um, you know piece you know, piece of a puzzle somewhere um, it looks to me like Leinster possibly might think they, they might need to move him on like he's been in that position for a very long time they have some budding young talent coming in there as well I could see him um, going to France Like he, he seems suited to that league as well like his style of play yeah, although I suppose the attacking element, you'd wonder, like, is there like, is there a big kicking element in that league? There probably is in the winter, but is there in the summer? Like, you're, And he's coming up against, he'd be coming up against lots of Fijian guys and all these, you know, flyers in the wing. Oh, they do leather it a fair bit, like all those kicking nines and top four. Yeah, so, you know, I'm sure he could. Like, yeah. listen, I, I was thinking somewhere like London Irish might be ideal for someone like him. Um, the problem, I suppose, with Rob is that, like, he, very much like myself, has had lots of injuries and he doesn't train very often and he's lots of kind of, he gets lots of soft tissue injuries. So, um, it'll be a challenge for him, you know, to, to get in somewhere. But, geez, he's playing great rugby. And, and I've, every time I've watched him, I thought he was brilliant in the final against, um, against Saracens. So, um, yeah, look, hopefully it goes well. If you never like to see someone in a position where, the contracts aren't going well. It's such a miserable part of it. You just yeah, want to like, play the game, but like, how involved are you as a player in that? Do you just leave it all to your agent? Like, as a, do, are you involved in in talks as There's well? No right way to go about it, will. Yeah, I've had ones where I just left. I said I trust the agent, and I went really badly wrong. <laughs> and then I've had ones where I trust the agent, and I went brilliantly. Um, 
and I just I, that was always the way I never had any interest I just wanted to make sure that I got paid the right money and that that was it I just yeah. wanted to play the rugby like you're getting play, paid great money um, and to be honest with you my, my career in terms of I'm probably not the, the, the best person to be talking about in, front, in, in terms of now I probably have a different view on it where I've had bad experiences more yeah. far more than than good ones unfortunately with were contracts. you on national contracts or right, right, I was and I wasn't um, yeah so like obviously at the, at the start of my career I was on really good money um, like I mean I came straight out of school on a on a full contract you know so that was great obviously um and uh yeah that was that was class and then i made you know really good money at the start of my career but clearly would have tailed off and tailed off badly and then i got a period where i was out of contract for maybe three or four weeks where i was still in dispute and and i ended up coming back and doing well for them that year as well and it was uh, look i said i got their money where it's out of me but it was i was on a, a tiny contract it really affected my you know affected me financially for you know for, for a long time afterwards actually i never really recovered to be honest with you so um, and is it a blow, blow like you know obviously when you're when you're kind of on a national contract and you get bumped down to a provincial one obviously financially it is a blow and that is re- no actually no i got a better one Got a better one from Leinster. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Can yeah. they? So can they do that? Can they pay? Can I, can the province pay you more than a national? Uh, the way they worked it, you see. So there was image rights that were worked in. So I had a guy called Damien O'Donoghue, just an absolute. He's just one of those guys. Um, he's his hand in, in in so many pots. He's just like an unbelievable operator. Um, and I got him in to, to come in and kind of sort out the contracts. Haven't had a mess the previous time. Now it wasn't all the agents' fault of the previous time, you know, bad timing with injuries. But we probably had played hardball for a long period. Whereas Damien, you know, was probably just needed a change at that point, and he was just brilliant. Like he was class, and he got me more money than they were offering me just by being able, to, you know, being able to work. Um, you know, I, I suppose the situation in Lens was very different as well. Where I was playing really good rugby, I was one of the best players I think for the team at the time, and had been very consistent for them for for that period as I was negotiating the contract for the whole year. Um, so it worked out brilliant. That was the one contract that worked out really, really well for me. And um, and he was obviously brilliant at working things behind the scenes um, because Leinster like, needed me more than Ireland did at the time. Um, they were really in a bad way. It was Matt O'Connor's maybe second year, so I negotiated in at that point. And I'd had a tough year the year before where I'd been out with groins and all this kind of stuff for ages. It was a bloody disaster. But um, yeah, the timing was great and that one worked well. And when you're kind of going through this, like, would you be talking to other players about it, or does everyone keep to themselves about that kind of like, you know, it's in inappropriate to discuss money, or would players be kind of like, this is what's oh, happening? They're so I always just felt like I, you know, I was always I, I made the mistake when at the start of my career being very open. I was like, just no one else being open, working <laughs> away. And yeah. I, I just assumed that would be the case, yeah. but uh, no, that was a mistake. So it's really hush hush because it's not, and it's actually a big problem for the players because, like, there are if you've worked in all these things where they actually now I get it. But basically, the provinces can't compete against each other for for players. Because even though they might need other players more than other provinces, they can't compete against each other financially. Which is, from their perspective, because it's all essentially content, contracted. I get it, but there's certainly a different need. So basically, the other if you just say, "Well, we want you to go here," and they're like, "Well, no, they're offering me the same money. They can't offer me any more money than Leinster." So why would it change? Mm. Um, why would I go to a team that isn't playing as well? I feel like I, I'm going to back myself to get in the team. And that's where they're having issues moving guys around. That's why it's been so... Uh, I think they've gotten better at it. I think they, but like that's why Joe Schmidt has to step in and put the pressure on Joey Carberry and his old man. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It is. That's why. Um, that's why probably Ross Burns apparently out of the picture at the moment You know, for, for, for the Irish team is because he said, well, no, I'm not... Why would I move? I like it here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's... Obviously, in a position where his agent said, "Well, no, Ross. Ross is obviously a strong enough personality where he said I didn't want to move. I feel like I'm going to be in the. I have a chance of playing lots of games with Leinster. So, um, the national coaches end up having to get involved and saying, "No, we we need you to move here. You're not going to get picked. So basically, put the heat on you that way, because they've said 
that the provinces can't compete against each other, even though they'll have different needs in different places. And does it matter if you like? It, does it matter if you're on a national contract if you can get similar money? Like, to, or in terms of just the status of it, like, oh, I didn't give it. Oh, yeah. I wanted the money. Yeah. Like, maybe it's just me. I I didn't care. Like, sure, look, if you're playing, whether you're on a national contract or um, a Leinster contract, is there any difference me? materially in terms of like? Is, is there any difference other than? Uh, I don't think so. No, I never thought. I just thought it was like they usually they get paid more. But sure, yeah. I got offered, so I got the the Irish thing, and then I was like, no, that's. That's not how that's where like I was like, look, I'll just move. I was playing good rugby, I knew I was I was gonna be in demand. So um yeah, we didn't actually need to do that in the end because uh they worked something in the background and it worked out I got got a three image right, so it was brilliant. So mm. I just set up a company and that was it. It was I worked a deal into it. Um it was with Topaz at the time as part of my Leinster contract. So it was <laughs> brilliant. Uh worked out really, really well for me. Um and again, it was just from having a really good guy at the helm in terms of Damien O'Donoghue, just really, like, if one of those guys is off the charts. Right? Like he's, oh, he is, brilliant operator. Um, like in a Harvard MBA and all this kind of stuff, he's a serious operator. So I was lucky to get him at the right time. Should get him in to talk to Dave Courtney on my behalf, perhaps. <laughs> get him to negotiate you a big deal, yeah. yeah but, um, yeah, no, so look, it was it was good timing for that one. But look, it's really difficult, and it's I'm sure it's a big challenge for someone like Rob who's trying to focus on getting into the team for the last couple of games of the year. Um, it's not a nice distraction to have it running on this long, but if the money's not right, you just need to move off. Like, that's the way I always viewed it. I just, I got injured... At the wrong time, when I had something set up to go abroad, I had something set up with Michael Checa for that contract that went badly wrong for me. And he obviously moved off. There was obviously upheaval with the board and Stade Francais. So, um, yeah, no, it was a big, it was just that one didn't work out well for me. And then I had other ones that worked well. So, um, yeah. it's not ideal. You'd, you'd rather not be involved, but it's definitely going to be in your mind at this point. And sometimes it, some players play better with it, sometimes players actually play worse with the pressure. They'd rather just have it all sorted and boxed off and know what's going on. Oh, geez, yeah, it's definitely an interesting time. Uh, we'll just finish up then, I guess, looking ahead to this weekend. Leinster, Glasgow, and Celtic Park. So in Glasgow, they will be, I guess, on in their home city, but maybe not their home stadium, because as Leo Cullen pointed out, apparently a lot of the Glasgow... Man, I thought that was... Ma- yeah. It was really unusual comment, wasn't it, for <laughs> yeah. Leo as well? Um, he was obviously having a bit of crack, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, look, it's going to be a great occasion like, to play. Like that's one of the best stadiums in Europe, yeah. you know. So um, it's uh, it's going to be a great occasion. Hopefully, they probably pack the thing out now. You yeah, know? apparently they've sold two thirds of the tickets. So see if we can. Get, it's it's a fifty thousand seater. So what's two thirds of that? Uh, thirty two thousand. Yeah, uh, thirty two. Yeah. yeah. Is this between thirty two and thirty three? Yeah. So yeah, look, it'll be interesting to see you know how how it all pans out. Um, so what's your prediction then? For the final. I feel like Leinster will do it. Um, I feel like I, I thought there was kind of bigger danger in them not going well in that um, in that semi final. Actually, um, I just felt like there might be a bit of a come down from the from the the, the Saracens game, but they survived that one. I know it was at home, but still, um, Glasgow are a big challenge. But I just I just feel like Leinster's pack. If they, like if they play to their potential, they should have enough juice in them, and they should have enough on the on, on the bench. Um, to close it out I think that'll, that'll be the differentiator and I think Leinster's defence will, will squeeze Glasgow and if they play well if they play to their potential or play anything like they did against Munster they'll be able to get on top somewhere and then Johnny will pick a lock somewhere um, and they have enough juice like they need like James Lowe's coming into some form at just the right time um, I think he'll have a big impact Robbie Henshaw and, and Gary Ringrose look like they're just such a solid partnership you know um, alongside Johnny Sexton so um, I can't see them not uh, not doing the business actually and if they do win, Tyke Furlong is at the top of the guest list uh, for next week, potentially. Tyke Furlong, yeah. What's well, your I, relationship I, with Big Tyke like? Yeah, good, good. The Big Tig, yeah, he's a great man. Uh, yeah, so we'll try and get him on, yeah, because yeah, he's, uh, he's such a good player. Exactly, like, great player, great personality. Let's go out with a marquee name before. 
before the end of the season. Yeah, I'll try him. I'll try him. We'll see. I'll see who's uh, who's available. I'm sure we'll get one of them on anyway if they're yeah. not too pissed. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, maybe they come off their pissed anyway. I'll have to drive them in. But it'll be a bit of fun, hopefully. Yeah, because it'd be nice. It's been a great year, and look, sure, while we have the opportunity, sure. Thanks very much to all our listeners. Like you know, we've had great support, and we seem to have continued support. So it's Definitely. been nice. But as uh, Stephen George says, we'll go again. We'll one go more, again. One, one more. Hopefully, hopefully it works out better than <laughs> that. Trickles last year. One more year. Yeah, one but, more uh, year. No, well, no, we'll keep going. It's great. Luke, a pleasure as always. Thanks so much for joining me. Cheers, Will. That's all we have time for in the left wing this week. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with another podcast reviewing the Pro 14 final. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on Independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening and goodbye.